Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to sport our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. It is hard to believe that we have been having in-depth weekly conversations about movies since 2011. So many great conversations over the years about so many great movies. And some stinkers. Well, true. But you know, producing this show week after week requires a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, one easy way is by using our Originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these great discussions. In season three, we covered even more great adaptations like The Night of the Hunter and It Happened One Night, both part of our Couples on the Run series. We talked about No Country for Old Men. The Coen brothers so rarely adapt someone else's work. We had some fun rom-com adaptations like About a Boy, based on the Nick Hornby novel, and Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, adapted from Rachel Cohn and David Levithan's book. In our terribly and naively named foreign language series, we discussed the brilliant City of God and the Diving Bell and the Butterfly, which I won't ever be able to watch again, ever. But could you read the original memoir? I don't know, maybe? We had our Richard Dysart series with adaptations like The Day of the Locust and Being There. Plus, we had that fantastic interview with the man himself. <laughs> the one where we had him sit on the floor? Because this chair was so squeaky. <laughs> Good times. We did our first Tom Hanks series with Forrest Gump adapted from Winston Groom's novel, plus Apollo 13 based on Lost Moon by Jim Lovell. And we did another year series looking at films from 1981, including Das Boot, Gallipoli, and Thief, all based on books. Listeners can dive deeper into all of these original stories and more at thenextreel.com slash originals. Every book, play, movie, video game. Video game. <laughs> you bet. We have talked about some video game adaptations as well. It doesn't matter the source, just follow the link. Every purchase supports the podcast. Check out the full list at thenextreel.com slash originals and get reading, watching, performing, or playing today. I'm Pete Wright. And I'm Andy Nelson. Welcome to The Next Reel. When the movie ends, our conversation begins. 
In just a matter of seconds, you're going to hear a classic episode of this show from back in the day when we called ourselves Movies We Like. It took us a while to settle into the show's format, so you'll notice some differences as you listen to these episodes. For instance, it takes us a bit of time to actually get into the conversation about the movie. Things like that. But we're still proud of the conversations about the movies themselves, and we think they're worth keeping in the library. So enjoy these episodes from our back catalog. And you can become part of our Discord community, learn more about the show, and find out how you can become a supporting member at thenextreel.com. So thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to The Next Reel. We appreciate your time and attention, and we hope you enjoy the show. I haven't watched it yet. Well, you shouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you seem pretty... Oh, hostile! You, I'm not gonna. I I need to tell you. I, I we need to have words. <laughs> oh, because you were you, man. You went all flim school like flim school. Yeah, <laughs> that's well, that's what you call it when it's. Uh... <laughs> yeah, on Facebook today, you did. You went. You were. You. I, you I was just snarked. pointing. I was pointing something out. You didn't. It was. It was your tone. You had the tones. <laughs> you like strapped on the tones. Uh, uh, uh. I, I don't let me tell you something first of all oh yeah tell me I never, let I me never, just say this about that i never strap on the tone <laughs> it's it's <laughs> it actually is when i unstrap the tone <laughs> hey i think we should tell the people where we're from Okay, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm Pete Wright. That's Andy Nelson, and this is the Next Real Podcast. We're so so glad that you all have have joined us uh, for for this week. Uh, we are continuing our uh, journey around the world tonight uh, in our foreign film series. Uh, you can find us at thenextreel.com. You can catch up with the blog there, uh, the the uh, blog whisperings of uh, Steve Sarmento. Big news on the blog this week went live with our 2014 watch list. Uh, so you can catch up with all the movies uh, that we're going to be talking about uh, in 2014. And there are some notes on the movies that we haven't picked yet that you are going to pick in our Listener's Choice series and that we're going to surprise each other with in our Guilty Pleasure series and there you go. So Absolutely. that's where you can find us there. Conversation happens at Google Plus, uh, at, at google.com slash plus the next real podcast or facebook.com slash the next real. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Pete Wright. Andy is at, what are you again? At Soda Creek Film. There you go. And uh, you can also follow the show at the next real, but you know, that's really just announcing stuff. Well, but that's a good way to stay in touch yeah, with yeah, yeah. our Instagram contest. Yes, it is the Instagram Guess the Movie Pony Prize. Tell the people what they may win, Andy. Uh, oh, well, we don't know that they'll yet. They'll win the pony prize. <laughs> All sorts it of It may pitties. be a pony. <laughs> it may be an actual pony. How'd, you, how'd we do this week? Did you stump them? You know, it went for a little while. I, 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 I switched it up a little bit. I picked, uh, the movie was The Blues Brothers. But I only showed images from the opening five minutes of Jake getting released from jail. So it looked, uh, I mean, the very first images of the film are, you know, just like the factories of Detroit. It's just very awful looking. And then just like these shots of prison and everything. And so, so it really threw people. I had guesses like the deer hunter. 
or the longest yard, things that, you know, it, it kind of could fit. Wow, but, longest yeah, yard's good. That's good. It was, it was, you know, yeah, there were some good guesses, uh, even Flashdance, because it, it does have that kind of But see, the problem uh, was the December 10th vibe. one. December 10th has the shades. Well, that's, I, I you know. know. I knew, like, I and I was torn. I'm like, should I go with the shades already, or should I do a different picture? And I, I decided I was going to do the shades. And once, uh, once uh, N Exposito saw those shades, he knew exactly what it was. And uh, yeah, so congratulations to N Exposito for winning <laughs> this week's Guess the Movie Challenge on Instagram. I wonder who, if he didn't get that one, if he would have gotten the one from the next day. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was just, I was waiting to use that Frank Oz one. Uh, man. <laughs> holding up the used, <laughs> used prophylactic. <laughs> prophylactic. Excellent. That was good. Are you ready for next week? I starting, am. Starting yeah. tomorrow? I have a feeling it may be an easy one, but I, uh, I want to throw it out there anyway. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. So that's it. Follow us on Instagram or on uh, on Twitter to catch up with the pictures, but you got to comment on Instagram and uh, um See if you can guess the movie to mm-hmm. win the win the pony. Win the next real pony. At at no point will a pony be, <laughs> be <laughs> as a prize for the next real contest. Next real does not endorse uh, winning ponies for any contest. Pony <laughs> is a euphemism for something else grand. Asterisk. <laughs> uh, so uh, you were gonna. What else did you see? What else did you see this week? Anything else good? Anything else you want to malign? I saw Nebraska, which I liked quite a bit. Yeah, I saw Twelve Years a Slave, which uh, made me cry no, quite a bit. Let me just ask you: Did you, when you walked out, did you feel like somebody has been kicking me about the head and neck really hard? <laughs> I feel beaten up after I watched it, the movie. It, it did. It did feel that way it a little did. bit. It, it did. Was a, it was a rough one. Yeah. Rough is yeah. right, son. Yes, indeed. Uh, and then what was the other one? I went and saw another, another one. I can't remember. Okay. Lots, lots of it's you know, it's the season. It's it's impossible to keep up. Really I is. this was a this was a TV week for me. Oh yeah. I watched. I had so many movies that I got, and I, I watched a bunch of TV. And speaking of TV series that borrow heavily from science fiction. This is going to send you right over the eye. I don't even know if I want to say it out loud. Uh-oh. Almost human. <laughs> Almost what is that? What what laugh was that? That I don't even think I've ever heard that laugh. <laughs> <laughs> that the, oh, what is that one again? Uh, that was the one that laugh. Oh, uh, oh, okay. That's that show. That was me laughing like I'm mocking it, but I'm like, wait a minute. I'm not <laughs> I sure. My, here's the, the reason I bring it up is. is, of course, because it stars Carl Urban and Michael Ely. And uh, I, um, Carl Urban, Which, of course, is your favorite. He's dread. He's dread. <laughs> he's dread. That's right. And uh, Michael Ely, you know, we've talked about recently because he's in the uh, uh, reboot of About Last Night. Uh, Last Vegas, uh, The Signal. I uh, but but and I in, and in the Fast and the Furious series. Too. Yep, yeah, he was he wasn't a very big part of that. But but I uh, discovered him in um, he played the uh, uh, Dar- character Darwin Al Said in Sleeper Cell for two seasons in two thousand six, and he was incredible 
in that show. And so uh, I've been a, been a big fan of his. And so he's in this when he plays this android in this almost human, which borrows from everything. Uh, and so, you know, you kind of have to watch it with a little bit of grain, little grain, if you want to, if you want to enjoy it. But, but, you know, I, it's sort of fun to watch Carl Urban and I don't think the show's going to be around very long. It's very expensive. And I think people are a little bit cynical about it. So I'm just enjoying it while it, while it's there. And I watched, you know, three, four episodes and yeah. And you said, that's Carl, all I need. Carl Urban, just waiting for the next Bones. Uh, I'd like to also say he's waiting for the next Dread. I really want He's that. waiting for the next Dread. Come on. That's Aren't great. we all? <laughs> I know you're not. <laughs> Let me tell you, it was a big news, uh, big cinema news week. Did you catch all the news? All right. First of all, Peter Jackson says he's going to do another Tintin. He's going to direct and I think swap roles with Steven Spielberg, who's going to produce. Wow. Uh, Luke Evans says he's. So, uh, no, wait, 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 what? wait. Here's here's a question though. I don't have any details. Oh, go ahead. Let's just <laughs> let's just speculate wildly. Uh, no. All right. Uh, Luke <laughs> Luke Evans is uh, taking over the uh, the lead in the Crow reboot. Are you excited about the Crow? Did you like the Crow the first time around? Not at Brandon all. Lee? Not at all. Hated likewise, it. likewise. Uh, Planet are the of the Apes. Oh my goodness! The first four posters have uh, been released. The, the worldwide trailer hits when next week. I think so. Mm-hmm. And those posters scared the bejesus out yeah, of me. They were not uh, civil. I don't want those posters hanging up anywhere. I was going to frame them in glass and bolt them to your ceiling right above your bed. <laughs> Of course you were. Uh-huh. Uh, okay, so there's another. They've they've cast uh, John Connor. I can't remember the guy's name in Terminator Genesis because we need another one of those. I saw that. Uh-huh. Yeah, and the person I am trying to remember who it was because it surprised me. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Yep. Uh, Interstellar has gotten its first uh, promotional uh, material. The the Facebook page is up and it has a it's logo. Right. Christopher Nolan's uh, new uh, science fiction thing, uh, and. Juan Antonio Bayona has uh, been confirmed as the director of World War Z sequel. Brad Pitt confirmed. They're starting to write it. Just now, starting to write it. This, like right now as we're talking. Mm-hmm. Right now. That's amazing. Just, he just I called me. He is. just called me and he said, don't interrupt at all and let me know. Just text me. Don't call me when, when you're done with the show, Brad said. Wow. But this oh. is the one that I'm, that I, uh, I don't know what to feel about this and this one tests my my um test the the testosterone meter my testosterone meter mm-hmm. which i which was at its fullest when i was you know 14 and would go to the movies i would just like be you know 14 to 18 right jazzed over the yeah movies, right sony's announced bad boys 3 will smith martin lawrence david guggenheim to write where do you stand god you know the second one is so horrible yeah no, it, so went, it went so far south. The first one, I I enjoyed it the first time I saw it. Rewatching it, I I felt it was really dated. Martin. Yeah, it's just a dated movie. Yeah. <laughs> I have no interest in that. I don't know. I kind of do, just because you know of nostalgia. But I don't know if it's gonna. I don't know if it's gonna. Because Will Smith is trying to figure out what he's done to his career, and so he's, yeah, right. he's grasping. What what did I do that made money that I can make a sequel to it, make more money again? <laughs> and how can I cast my son in Does it? Does anybody remember when I did things like seven pounds? <laughs> no, Will. 
But we love Will. We're we're just being snarky. We do. Um, we have our snarky our snarky uh, uh, strap. On. <laughs> Let's talk trailers, Andrew. I want to go first. I want you to. You should. Be- because you know <laughs> you you kind of. You kind of, uh, you know, pushed me a little bit this week. Uh, by, the hammer, the by, hammer came down, son. Boy, it sure did. You were uh, fast trying to steal all the thunder as quick as you could this week. Fast. And I, I admit, you put me in scramble mode. I was really panicked and frantic trying to find a trailer that could live up to the trailer that uh, that you're going to discuss in just a minute. And I think I managed to find one. It it took me like two or three trailers to uh, like finally hit it. But once I did, I mean, it's totally, it's totally nowhere near yours as far as quality or genre or, or, or scope of what it's trying to do or anything. But man, I have watched it like five times now, and I laugh so hard every time. The trailer I'm talking about is, is the new Jason Bateman film that he directed called Bad Words. It's a red band trailer. It's horribly filthy. It's definitely a not-so-safe-for-work sort of trailer. But, wow. I mean, he really takes, takes you places that you never expected him to go. It's, it's not just him. It's the child. Oh, man. That I know. That filthy child. child. <laughs> <laughs> that was brilliant. It really, I, I think it, it taught me a lot about um, Jason Bateman, really. That like that he wrote and directed this, and this is what came well, he, out of his face and his head. He directed it. He oh, he didn't directed. write it. He didn't write it. It was uh, Andrew Dodge who wrote it. All right. Well, and, still, but it's, that, it's, it's, <laughs> he yeah. fix it to direct. And yeah. I feel like that tells us a lot about about this guy. And he just he just I don't know how many places up on the list did he jump in your best friends that we haven't met yet list. <laughs> I think he shot up there quite a bit. <laughs> Easy like, five oh, points. Jason. Yeah, th- this makes up for identity thief. <laughs> oh, man. Everything else you've been doing. I mean, this just looks so just really, really edgy and I don't even want to see. Right this is the problem with that trailer is I don't want to see the movie because <laughs> I, I, I don't want to ruin it. I just I'm want afraid. it like this. I'm afraid it's not going to live up to the trailer. Wow. So that's that's when does it come out? When does it hit? You know, it, there's no release dates yet. I mean, the trailer's out there, but right now it 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 had premiered at uh, Toronto earlier this year. But um, the, I mean, the trailer's out there, but there's no release date on the trailer, and uh, IMDb doesn't have any release dates yet. So coming soon, I guess, is the best I can give you right now. Nice. But definitely a fun watch. Don't watch it at work. Don't watch it around the kids. But definitely check it out. <laughs> if you're a speller. <laughs> this this is a film for you. <laughs> uh, so that's yours. Uh, mine is I. I got dibs on the Wachowskis. I know the Wachowskis are heading back to sci-fi. Uh, Andy and Lena Wachowski are doing uh, or have have released the first trailer for Jupiter Ascending in a universe in a world. <laughs> where humans are near the bottom of the evolutionary ladder, a young destitute human woman. Mila <laughs> is targeted for assassination by the queen of the universe because her very existence threatens to end the queen's reign. That's and uh, yeah, Mila Kunis, the new Mila, and uh, Channing Tatum, who is apparently part uh, wolf, <laughs> and uh, Sean Bean, 
And uh, gosh, who's, who's probably going to get killed off? He'll probably yeah. be revealed <laughs> He'll as be <laughs> he's as a traitor and be killed one. off in the first thirty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> of course, uh, Terry Gilliam is in this. Uh, this is it. It you know, I think there are a lot of people who are are bullish on this film because it's the um, the Wachowskis back into sci-fi. Those who loved the Matrix are excited to get to to see. A little bit more hardcore. I got to tell you, the visuals in the trailer are—they—they they look, you know, quite good. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, for for anybody who liked the future sequences of Cloud Atlas, this is a whole movie of that. It looks slick. It looks, it looks pretty looks slick. Very Comes slick. out July eighteenth, two thousand fourteen. This is on the summer slate. Uh, very so excited for that. That's it, and you know Channing. I think makes he's uh, he makes a lot of good decisions. I think you know I wasn't so sure about him around the GI Joe days, but uh, I think that he's really been proving himself. And I think he's one of my favorites out there right now. So very excited to see this one. <laughs> wow, I sort of can't believe you said that out loud. What? He's no, great. It's fine. It just seems like that seems like a guilty pleasure. It, maybe it is a little bit. 21 Jump Street <laughs> totally came out of nowhere, and I, it was on my top 10 list last year. I loved it so much. I admit it. Wow, that's good. Did you, know it. He's, did you know he's playing Superman in the Lego movie? I did know that. I didn't. Yeah. He'll probably be, uh, uh, it'll probably be the only movie with Superman in it that I really like. All right, all right. Speaking of theatrical guilty pleasures, is, is that our theatrical, like, your, the coming soon top ten list? Tell me that's not the one you're looking forward to most. What's that? The Lego movie. Oh, L- I know. A little bit. Totally. Totally. I cannot wait for that. It's directed by the Cloud, uh, the, sorry, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs guys. I am so excited. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs was my favorite animated film of that year. Yes, more than Up. What? Which is a great movie, but Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs is so good. I laugh myself silly every time I watch that movie. I don't care what people say, and I don't care if people want to kick me in the shins for not liking Up as much as that, but it is the funniest thing that I've seen in ages, so I cannot wait for the Lego movie. I'm going to kick you in the shins. It's going to probably be a couple of years. Next time okay. I see you, I'm just going to kick you in the shins. And I want you to refer to this show, episode 112. I'm going to be thinking why. about that until then. Because I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> just walk up and kick me in the shins. It's going to be pretty hard, too. <laughs> Andy, I want to talk about Yee. All right. I'm excited. I I'm excited, but I'm really nervous. <laughs> yeah, ah, I can... because I'm I'm a, this is what I how I feel the conversation is going to go. I'm gonna I'm gonna go. Oh my god, it's great! I love it. Blah blah blah. I'm gonna have this whole thing, and then you go. Yeah, I liked it too. But God, it was long and boring. Okay. I, I, I hope that's not where it's going to go. No, you don't have to worry about that because you're 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 not quite right. I I keep picturing taxi driver. <laughs> 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 um i uh i'm gonna go ahead and, and I'll, i should probably go first right uh sure i mean i don't want to keep you in suspense any longer than i have to okay go first then i was bored silly in this movie i was bored <laughs> silly it was 
awful. I could have done it in 20 minutes. Like, I watched the trailer. I watched the trailer, and I got exactly the same amount out of it. Now, that's not to say that there isn't good stuff going on um, that, that I found myself sort of touched by as I went back and watched sequences again. But the, the overall viewing experience, I was plumb baffled at how this thing won so many awards it was amazing like how is this so popular that the people love this movie this is this is like real life so if you take a camera and you put a camera on real life and you want to capture real life and uh and you capture the most banal uninteresting insipid parts of real life and then cut it all together and make a movie out of it i i could not get into it I just couldn't. It was so hard. I wanted to, Andy. I did. And I thought about this the whole time. How am I going to come clean? I could just lie. I could just lie to him and try to make him feel good. But I can't. I can't. Our friendship is worth too much. This this was a terrible viewing experience. And I can't wait. I really can't wait to hear... To be... Convince me otherwise. Because it was hard watching. I don't know if I can convince you. I don't know if I can convince you. It is, it's a challenging watch. I mean, it is, it's nearly three hours. It's a few minutes shy of three hours. It's a long movie, and it's, it's a very deliberately slow uh, film, the way that, that it's paced, the way that it's shot. It's very calm. It's very mannered. It's very, um, it's crafted in, with a lot of long shots, with a lot of long takes. It is designed to, to be kind of observant of this, family's life over the course of a year, um, starting with um, a wedding of one of the family members, ending with the death of another family member. And in the middle of all of that, we have the birth of a new family member. And so, I mean, this is really designed to be uh, an exploration of life in the world of this family in Taipei um, over the course of this year. And, you know, I don't know. This was a film that I saw... This came out in 2000, uh, and I saw it uh, probably, I'm guessing, around like 2004, 2005. It's just one of those films that I'd heard about. I rented, and I instantly fell in love with it. And it's the, I, I know the pacing is slow, but it just, it, it's, it's all of the little moments that, that draw me in when I watch it. And watching it again, um, I mean, I'll admit, my uh, my wife fell asleep and went to bed. She gave up on it. My uh, my mom, who's in town, uh, she also kind of uh, just like, oh, you know, I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> I think I'm gonna finish this right now, sort of thing. It's it's one of those films that it it takes it it takes work to finish. But okay, now so before before we go uh, too far, because I mean, there's a lot of directions this can take. But I wrote a list of all the things. <laughs> <laughs> that this film makes me think about because I, I think there's so many things going on in this film and I love thinking about all these things as I watch this film and so I'm just going to rattle off this list just okay, well, so how would you like me to participate at all do you just want to get your list out there or do you want me to I'm going to get I'm going to get it out get there, it out there. Okay. because because I want to at least have it out there and then we can just kind of talk about whatever it is we want to talk about but I want to have the list out there so so if it triggers something then we can talk about it okay that's good that's Does good. that work? Yeah, that's okay. good. These are the things I think about when I watch this amazing film. <laughs> okay, ready? I this hope I can li- stay awake during your I, list. I, I hope you can too, because it's, <laughs> it's going to take me three hours to read it. <laughs> Scene one, interior. Right, so, that's right. <laughs> 
the wedding, the simplicity of everyday life, the complexity of everyday life, teaching and learning, cults and religions, superstition, luck and beliefs, friendship, love, marriage, unrequited love, new love, old love, birth, death, infidelity, murder, a new look at things, a fear of taking risks, a fear of being responsible, confidence, authority, conformity, punishment, financial responsibility, women versus men, the origins of life, water, clouds, weather, nature, reflections, urban life, individuality, solitude, solidarity, loneliness, lonesomeness, intimacy, distance, stillness, maturity, curiosity, business, business ethics, principles, tradition, technological advances, reliving the past, staying in the present, letting things go, the meaning of things that happen to us, fantastic moments that seem real to us, losing perspective, gaining insight. Phew. There you go. That's my list. I, I think that your list defines uh, uh, the substantial problem that I have with this film. Which is, it's exploring too much. Yeah. This was Edward Yang uh, in uh, End of Life Therapy, right? <laughs> That's what I, that was the feeling I got, that he jammed three generations of, of f- this family to work out all of their issues in business, in personal life, in marriage, which they don't really do. They don't really well, figure those things out. I don't, and then in, I don't, yeah. And bullying for the little kid, and he gets to teach himself how to swim because he has, he's got this, he, he, who, he is the magical part of this film. Uh, and, and the daughter, who, who is an admirable job of dealing with this really crazy love triangle, uh, all of the, the this, I, I think, all of the different sort of um, intertwined kind of storylines come to a head in the last 40 minutes of the film, and uh, that's when it starts to get interesting. The problem is, for most films that I, I see that where I have this sensation that the, oh my gosh, is really the, the, it's, it's had this sort of slow burn all the way up to the end, and now I feel like the reward is it's paying off, and now I understand all the stuff that came before it. That wasn't a feeling I got with this film, and I keep coming back because I hate, you know, I, I really struggle, and you know, we've talked about this, I really struggle with just coming on the show and like taking other people's creative work and just you know, kind of ripping it apart. Um, when, you know, what did I do on this film? Nothing. Edward Yang has a career of, of making films, and this is an award-winning film, and that's all well and good. But i got to come back to Ebert. The, the experience is, you know, did I enjoy the experience of watching this film? And I felt like it was a sentence. Like it was a—I felt uh, in pain. I did not feel rewarded at the end when I started seeing the payoff. I, I felt like I just saw the most boring parts of these people's lives when— <laughs> Uh, leading up to the interesting part that they that I I feel like I should have been you know rewarded with that, um, so I, wow. I really struggled with it. I I, I really this, did. This is another taxi driver. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it felt like that, and it 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 was tough. Um, well, it, it's interesting because. I, I, but and maybe that's why I like it. The things that you don't like about it, maybe are the things that I do like about it, is the fact that I get to the end of this film, and I see you know NJ, who's our our protagonist. Oh, what, you know, I mean, he's kind of I guess the the principal protagonist of the film. He's the the father in this family, uh, played by by Wu Ninjen, who uh, is also a filmmaker um, from Taiwan. Um, 
you know, he's kind of gone through this situation over the course of the film where uh, a couple situations, one where he has ended up uh, re-meeting this, uh, this long lost first love of his and kind of ended up in this situation where he's, he's contemplating the idea of rekindling that relationship. And if, if there is something there, if it's something, if it was a mistake that he made and all that, while at the same time dealing with this uh, business proposition about going with somebody who um, may be a little more expensive, but, but knows the business or, or going with a ripoff just to make money. And so he's kind of torn in this situation as to what to do. He ends up just kind of you know, coming back to his wife and he has this moment where he's just like, um, even if I had done things differently, I, I, you know, I probably would have ended up in the same place and looking at that and the way that life moves. And I think that's what I, I, maybe that's what I like about it is that it feels like this is just life. And Peop, these, this is this family living their life and all these little details and how separated they are. But, and, and we see all these details in their own individual lives and how they all kind of come together and how it's just kind of a reflection of the way that life moves. And all of these little details uh, make us who we are, even if it doesn't uh, you know, mean that we're going to be in a totally different stream. If something had changed, we probably would be in the exact same stream. And and, and I guess that's what I like about it is it feels like I feel like I'm getting a lot out of it because I feel like there is some growth and some people learning about their own lives, even if nothing is changing in their lives. Yeah. And even the Truman Show was edited. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I get that watching life thing. I get that experience of watching life, and I I feel like I suffer as a result of watching you know the parts of life that uh, that I don't I, I don't want to belabor that that part because there really are pieces in here that I that I I like, um, and and it to me it all starts with the youngest generation right with um, uh, with Yang 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 uh, played by Jonathan Chang. This kid is just magical the way he moves on screen he's just magical he's just a beautiful little spirit and um and and i don't know if it's because he um gosh you know he just uh um he, he just owns uh you know his little his little space uh and his space is uh, one of bullying. He's bullied by other kids. His teacher bullies him. Uh, he's in a really horrible kind of uh, experience. And yet, uh, as soon as he gets out of class, he is he is an explorer. And I love that 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 piece of him. And so those long shots, I feel, are well deserved. You know, when we watch him, I also feel like he's the subject of some of Edward Yang's dirty filmmaking tricks. Mean, dirty, kick in the stomach, dirty filmmaking tricks. That uh, when he goes to the pool wanting to swim and he takes off his shoes and he takes off his little backpack and then he jumps in dressed into the pool and then we hear him gagging and gurgling and then it cuts away to something else. That's a dirty, <laughs> mean trick. Because he ne- we don't actually see him surface and it seems to hold for a long time. I was viscerally mad at Edward Yang and by extension at you 
during that sequence. And when he comes back in, slopping his little wet feet, carrying his shoes back into his little apartment, because apparently he has the run of Taipei at seven years old or however old he is, um, it it was both it was a relief and a I hate you Edward Yang moment that happens again and again we see NJ uh, he's depressed he can't find his teacup and the next sequence we see him he's on the floor spread out it happens again with uh, um, the the brother in law uh, mm-hmm. who you know we, we Adi, think he, Adi right he's he, dead we think he's dead like they keep doing this and I don't know this is this is a part that I I kept coming back to I feel like I don't watch enough Chinese drama. Um, I, I feel like I may be disconnected uh, culturally from what to expect uh, in in you know in Chinese drama and how uh, Chinese actors are directed to express their uh, depression, right? Uh, and in this case, they they do so in such a way to uh, make you think that they're dead. And I felt like, like beaten up as a result of it. Uh, it was just it was just too much. And then you know, at the end, you know, it ends in a funeral, and it's the funeral of the one person that we really knew was going to die all along. And so right. it ended up being not a surprise or a shock at all when the the mother, who's been in a coma the entire uh, film, uh, the grandmother, the grandmother, uh, yeah, NJ's mother. Um, no, it's it's his wife's mother, Min Min's mother. R- Right. Okay. Right. It's her mother uh, ends up dead. That's not a. That's not a shock. That's that's you know to be understood. Mm-hmm. So uh, I that I had a real problem with with how they treated how they treated me. I feel like they didn't respect me very much in how they treated <laughs> depression and death. <laughs> and by the I, end, I was just exhausted by it. You know, it was like, oh, come on, man. I Give will me more agree. of Issei, uh, what's his name? Issei, uh, the Japanese guy? Uh, yeah, Issei Ogata. Mr. Issei Ogata. Ogata, yeah. Mr. Oda. I, I could have watched that guy do magic tricks all night long. Yeah, he's he's definitely is, I think, one of the most enjoyable parts of the film. He's His conversations that he has with NJ, I am just I, I'm riveted to the screen because there's something about him that reeks just... Uh, the most amazing honesty and, and his presence is just, you know, nothing but humility. I, it's so great to watch him and their conversations, which are all in English because he's from Japan NJ is from Taiwan. And so they, English is their common language. So all of their scenes are in English together. It's, there's something that uh, I, I don't know, always transports me when I'm watching their scenes because I find them just, like these amazing, uh, beautiful philosophical moments. Yeah, yeah, those were those are, are highlight moments for me. Uh, to be sure, is you know watching. I hear he is. I I I have don't feel like I've ever seen him in anything else. I understand he's a is he a comedian in Japan? Yeah, he's a, he's a comedian, right? I kept thinking if this were remade, Steve Martin in the United States, Steve Martin would play him. <laughs> uh so I, you know, I I loved those moments. I loved those moments. Um, okay, what you, you talk more because I feel like I could I, I could keep doing this. I yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I it's going to be one of those conversations where, you know, I espouse my love for it, and you espouse all the things that you don't love about <laughs> it. And it's it's going to be one of those nights, but that's okay. It, it you know, there's the the people in this film. 
I get so drawn to every time I watch it. I mean, I the way that it's shot, the way that we meet these people, I I really enjoy being a part of this family. And it's you know, there definitely are challenges. Uh Yang Yang's story I think is is just so uh, pleasurable to watch because he is in this place where he's he's learning and yes he's bullied but at the same time I don't think um, I mean obviously it affects him but to me it's just it, he ha- is in that childish place where it doesn't seem like it affects him so much that he's not going to stop exploring he is like Mr. Curiosity and uh, just you know his fascination with that older girl at school once he kind of latches on to her at that which is I think just a a fantastic moment when they're he's you know he's running from the teacher after um he drops a water balloon on the teacher's head and he runs into kind of the the auditorium to hide out and the school is watching this 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 weather film about storms and everything and nature and clouds and in walks this older girl that he's kind of been uh, is bothers him periodically and bullies him a little bit but her skirt gets stuck and he ends up seeing her underwear and it's like all of a sudden something is awakened in him and he's drawn to her and he then he's kind of watches her swim which is what leads him to uh try swimming and he's kind of exploring his growth and then and then all of that leading to him trying to figure out this whole idea of how Nothing is, there's no way to know all of the truth of things because we can only ever see half-truths because we can only see one direction. And I feel that's another interesting aspect of all of the things happening in this film and how we're only really getting these half-truths. And and maybe us as the as the audience and, and Edward Yang as the filmmaker are trying to explore the full truths, but these characters are are stuck in the world of half-truths and seeing how they how they look at things. I don't know. I really enjoy seeing everybody uh, kind of struggling with their own perspective and how and it's kind of like there's that individual perspective of what something is. I mean, looking at NJ and this long-lost love of his um, and how she never understood why he never showed up. And he really does, doesn't seem like he really understood it. And then they have this conversation toward the end about, about you know, how she really was the love of his life and still is and probably will always be, even though, you know, he, they, they don't get together. And it, it, the way that the, everybody's looking at perspectives and perspectives are shifting. I, I love when Min Min, the mother, who kind of has this breakdown because her mother, the grandmother, is in this coma and she has to she she's kind of one of these people who's latched onto this cult that she kind of uh, believes they they you know the the preachings of this cult and she's so you know torn up by not just her mother being in a coma but the fact that because of that and the, because she has to basically go in every day and talk to her mother to just kind of you know, supposedly when you talk to somebody in a coma, it helps them because they can still still hear you. She realizes that she doesn't have anything to talk about. She's she's kind of, a, as she says, she's a, she lives a blank. She's a boring person. There's nothing in her life. So she goes to this cult because she thinks they have all the answers. And then when she comes back at the end of the film, she's like, you know, I realized talking to these people, they don't have any of the answers. It's the exact same thing there than it is here. There's nothing different about that. So it's it's the way that the perspectives shift and the way that these people start seeing different different aspects of things. And I think that 
is all exemplified so wonderfully in Yang Yang and his this <laughs> this photography experiment that he latches onto of taking the picture of of people's the backs of people's heads because it's a side of themselves they never get to see. It's a truth that's in those people's lives that they just don't know. And I just feel like that message is is so strong, and I love that about Yang Yang. And that's just some little curiosity that he latches onto that becomes this uh, philosophical look at all of these characters in this film. Well, and and I do, you know, I appreciate the intention. I really do. That with with NJ, we get we get very much the story of uh, his exploration of what was right of of you know, oh my goodness, this is. Um, this is the lost love, and I already I hate my job today. And this exploration of this this time traveling with her, you know, I have an opportunity to really think about what used to be and and the choices I made and and those sorts of things. I I love the intention of that. And uh, with um, is it it's uh, Min Min or is it Ting uh, Ming, Min Min's his wife. Ting Ting. Ting Ting. Uh, her story is very much about what is, right? The passion of teen, the, the teen love triangle, and um, the, the fact that she too is very much alone uh, going through this experience with, and, and I'm interested in you talking about the love triangle in particular and, and the way that, that resolves with Fatty. And, mm-hmm. um, but she's very much caught in the what is, and I think teen years are very much what is, you know, the, the, it's, it's very you know, right. self-absorbed. And, and uh, Yang Yang is very much what will be. And, and through, it, it's through Yang Yang and, and his, um, you know, his tiny voice uh, that we see really the wisdom of the film. And I think it's, it's captured, um, you know, in his speech at, uh, at the, uh, the grandmother's Grandma's funeral. funeral. You know, I, I, I want to tell him that I feel old too. You know, the last line of the film, I think is, it, it, it's really that sort of soul-crushing kind of um, attachment to youth that is is just really beautiful. Um, so I, you know, I I see the the system of the drama here. I I you know I really do. Um, right. But I, yeah. So and and I love it. But but talk to me a little bit about um, about the love triangle. The love triangle. Yeah. What what's your sense of? Because I think there are two pieces, and you you brought it up already. You know, looking at at uh, Yang Yang, uh, his exploration of kind of his early exploration of um, kind of boy girl relationship sexuality, and then we have you know what's going on with the love triangle in the middle. Um, that is a more explicit exploration of. Um, you know, sexuality and and particularly the uh, the teacher student relationship. Yeah, there's something very interesting going on in in Ting Ting's story. She befriends her neighbor Lili. It's interesting. You know, the title of the film is Yi Yi. It's very much about, um, I guess, Yi in Chinese or in Mandarin means one, and so Yi Yi is literally like one one, which is like individuality, I believe, yeah, when well, you have and, the two of them together and you individually. Almost, you almost don't get it uh, until you see the way the title card plays, right? Because it writes it, you know, a single line is one, and another line gets drawn below it, and that's two. And so um, that's that's sort of how it gets transliterated to a one and a two. Um, which which uh, Yang also attributes to kind of just the way, I mean, he gave it purposefully both the the Chinese and English titles on the film and the 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 
English title, a one and a two, he attributes to just jazz and how yeah. every time before they, they start, it's always like a one and a two and they get going. And, and he says, you know, life should be like a jazzy tune. Now, I'm sure that you're going to say there's not a whole lot of jazzy tune in this film. There's, there's no jazz. <laughs> it's, it's definitely more of a one and a two. And then, you know, a nice, slow, classical piece begins. <laughs> but, but, yeah, I mean, but I, I, I think Ting Ting, um, it's, it, uh, what I'm saying is a lot of the names represent kind of that individuality and they reflect the title. But um, Ting Ting definitely does. She's, uh, and she's traumatized by... Uh, what's happened with her grandmother because she feels responsible since, um, you know, whatever, you know, a particular situation that had happened in their life. Um, and, and so she just, she walks through the film very, uh, in a very heavy sort of way. And so she's, she's kind of exploring a lot of, uh, a lot of, you know, pain and things in her life. And she ends up befriending her neighbor, Lily, who, um, is this, uh, you know, it's her age. She's a kind of a, a child prodigy who plays the cello. And, um, but is also interestingly kind of like the bad girl who her mother is always like with another guy, one of which happens to also be Lily's teacher. And apparently, um, Lily and the teacher seemed to have been having some sort of relationship. And, um, and so, you know, there's a lot of, uh, it's, it, it's a very tense neck next door, um, neighborhood or neighbor that they have going on there. Um, because Lily is also seeing this other guy, fatty, who, um, it's, it seems like one of those on again, off again, just heated, passionate teen romances that it's just like, I hate you. I love you. I hate you. I love you. Seems to be kind of the, uh, the way that that relationship goes. Um, Ting Ting ends up being the go-between between between them when they're not uh, together. And she's the one who always has to deliver these uh, messages from him back to Lily. And Lily seems to hate her. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Fatty is attracted to, uh, to Ting Ting. And it's, it's like her first, her, her first, you know, I don't want to say love, but it's her first experience with those feelings. And which, which end up being un, unrequited, right? It ends up being unrequited because, yeah, Fatty just realizes that he can't go through with it because he still has feelings for for uh, Lily. So we have we have uh, uh, Yang Yang who just discovers uh, sexuality. We have Ting Ting who uh, could be having sex uh, but doesn't, and we have NJ who really should be having sex uh, but can't. <laughs> so, like, in, in you know, no one really wins <laughs> in this arena. Yes, if if you're going to diminish it to that, then you're right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, there's nothing else going on in this movie, right? Oh, come no. on. No, there's lots. There's there's so much going on in this movie. It's it's simple and complex, and and I think that you're lashed onto the simplicity of it, and and you don't want to look I'm at anything else. I'm a simple else. man. I know, I know. But uh, but I think what's interesting about this love triangle is that uh, be, it, there's there's a lot more fire going on in that side of things and clearly because of this thing with Lily and uh her, the fact that her mother is is sleeping with her I, I think it's her cello teacher um and it, it seemed like she had been having a relationship she basically because fatty is so infatuated with her she essentially has fatty kill her teacher 
And that is is probably one of the things that always I, I, I'm always troubled with. I'm like, gosh, I don't know if I completely buy that. Um, it, it always seems a little much for me. But at the same time, I think what I like about it is this is a story that's looking at this family, the Jen family, and we're seeing everything from their perspective. And so all of the stuff that plays out, we really see from Ting Ting's perspective when the police bring her in to talk about what she knows about this guy, Fatty, and this whole relationship and, and everything that's going on. And I, I think what I, I like about it is, okay, maybe the murder is a little extreme in the story, but at the same time, I, I think what I appreciate about it is the fact that it's, it's, it's looking at her, it's putting, forcing her to look at this relationship in a different way. And again, it's this whole shifting of perspectives and looking at the truths in, in a way that you weren't looking at before. And uh, so from that perspective, I do end up appreciating the way that that scene plays out. Even if I don't completely, I, I feel like that may, might be the scene for me that feels a little out of place, the whole murder. Yeah, I it, it felt wildly out of place to me, um, you know, when I it sort of jarred me awake. But not only just the fact that it was there structurally, but the way it, it was portrayed, the sort of the detail of the, the cinematography around it, you know, the, the uh, I, I found there was some nuance there that I really appreciated. Um, the, the way, and I, I like the way you put it, you know, from the, the Gen perspective, um, you know, what we're, we know that something is going on, uh, but the camera is focused on, you know, Yang Yang or Ting Ting. Right. And what we see are, you know, is, is Yang Yang looking out a window and the red flashing police lights uh, outside. But we never see what they're doing until right. the next day when they experience the the firsthand uh, kind of scene of the crime pieces of it, where we get to see it on TV. We get to see the, the blood streak, you know, hands and the real highlight for me is the animated reenactment on the newscast. It's well, and what's interesting about that is is it's not actually an animated reenactment on the newscast. <laughs> Although it does feel like that's what's actually happening in the film. But that's uh, how it, they do. I mean that that's a very popular thing over there. Yeah, Ed, Edward Yang, he has this method which I really like of overlaying um two different story stories kind of like so we're getting a sense of two different things happening at the same time. I think it's, a, it's amazingly powerful when he does it, when NJ is exploring with Sherry, this long-lost love of his, while they're down in uh, Japan talking to Ota. Um, we have this conversation going on between the two of them in audio over images of Ting Ting and Fatty as they are kind of initiating their romantic relationship. And the way that he kind of plays with the, the visual and the audio and he's mixing those, I find really was, interesting. Yeah, that was beautiful. That was a beautiful sequence. So when he, when he says, you know, remember when we, when we were standing at the railroad crossing and we first held hands as, as, uh, as Ting Ting, Ting is, is first holding hands with her. Yeah, that, that was a very touching sequence. And just as a side note, I have to because I I want to talk about the cinematography in this film a little bit, but I just want to say I think that is just such an amazing long shot that he uses right there of those two of Ting Ting and Fatty, um, of them standing in. It's kind of like on this kind of sidewalk under an underpass. We see kind of cars going by on these roads around them, but the way that the traffic lights play behind them as they're we see them kind of standing next to each other 
and then tentatively kind of get closer together. And then finally there's a little kiss and then they kind of separate. The way that the, the traffic light goes from red to all of a sudden that it kind of turns green right, right as they kind of come together and kiss and then, uh, you know, and then it goes back to red. It just like those moments, I, I God, that was just really fantastic filmmaking where, you know, finding the right shot, using the natural tempo of the traffic lights to help create that scene. And not only that, but also the audio from this other scene that's happening in a totally different country. I mean, I just, I really, really loved that. Um, but yeah, going back to the overlaying of things, that's an interesting one because it, it does feel a little out of place because, yeah, you cut to this strange video game murder but basically is what's going on. And that's, and that's, that's NJ's company is they design these, these video games. And it happens earlier also. We see this video game but as see, well. Do you remember the Tiger Woods things out of the Taiwan newscasts? I don't. Okay, so this is what I'm talking about. It is very common over there right now. There are these animation houses when they don't have footage. These animation houses use video game technology to recreate, um, you know, the uh, the scene right for the news. And when Tiger Woods uh, had his little, you know, his problems. Right. And he drove away and drove the car into the tree, and the wife came out chasing him with a golf club. That was all over the internet, the, the Taiwanese newscasts of, um, of the animated Tiger Woods running his animated car into the, and his animated wife beating him up with a golf cart. It was exactly like is in this movie. I think that's, that's what I was mentioning. That's a, that's a newscast trick in Asia. I'm going to find links because you need to experience Tiger Woods. What's, what also is interesting is the fact that in Taiwan or in Taipei, they they let the news team like go into the cell and film this person in jail. <laughs> like in the yeah. newscast, you have footage <laughs> of Fatty sitting in his cell. It's like uh, you would never get away with that over right, here. And so right. it's just it's it's interesting like seeing those cultural differences, like what uh, what they can get away with in one country. It's it's just, it's surprising sometimes. It is very surprising. And uh, okay, there is a whole series of. Uh, from NMA News, and that's all they do is these is this is going to be people's it's animated news hits for for stories they don't have all of uh, all wow. they don't have footage of. We'll have to put that in the show notes. It's go, totally go going watch. in the show notes. <laughs> the nextreel dot com slash. Uh, yeah, it'll be on the show. It'll be on the front page. Just go to the right. front page. It'll be right there. Right. All right. Oh, this is good. It's funny. Okay, I'm going to stop That's watching crazy. it right now. It's, it's really interesting yeah. that they do that. So much for uh, court sketches. Who wants court sketches? Where they Not get anymore. Animated? It's all <laughs> video games. There's another oh. one of, of two and a half men canceled. Charlie Sheen calls for justice. They wow, actually they... animated the courtroom of Charlie Sheen in the courtroom <laughs> calling for justice, and his hands are on fire. <laughs> I, love, <laughs> I love this stuff. That is crazy. All right. So that's it. What else you got? I got yeah. So, um, well, let's let, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, let's talk about I, cinematography. I, I want yeah, to talk, about, talk cinematography. about yeah. Let's talk about cinematography. I think that uh, I, well, I think cinematography and in context of that also film construction because I think they kind of really go hand in hand in this particular film. This came out. Uh, Edward Yang was one of the uh, I don't want to say founding members, but he was one of the 
the key players in the new wave uh, cinema that came out of Taiwan in the 80s and 90s. Um, Taiwan's film production has kind of had a an interesting history. Uh, there's actually a really interesting um, short documentary on the uh, the Blu-ray of this film that kind of talks about the the Taiwanese um, kind of this new wave of of filmmakers that came out of the 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 propaganda and everything else that it had been uh, in the uh, in the 50s, 60s, 70s. In the 80s, this new wave came in. They really wanted to try doing something else with it. Edward Yang was one of these people. And one of the things that they kind of latched onto was this whole idea of throwing away kind of modern filmmaking, maybe Western filmmaking, where you edit, where you, you know, there's a lot of cuts between uh, different people. And they really latched onto this idea of long shots and long takes. And I mean, it kind of goes back to there are some other filmmakers like Ozu and, you know, other filmmakers who do this, but they really liked this idea of longer shots letting the actors act and just and and Edward Yang talks about it where it's like he likes the long shots in in some of his scenes not because um you know he's capturing so much more in the frame um because sometimes he uses uses these long shots in emotional scenes and typically like in a Hollywood film you would be when you're in an emotional scene you would be right up there with close shots of your actors faces so you can see all of the emotions as they're acting and you're cutting back and forth between them so the emotions build and and you know he feels that the best way that you can uh, get these scenes across is by allowing long takes so the actors can really act and you can really see that when Min Min has her breakdown and it's just this long shot of her sitting there and she has a, it's just an amazingly painful scene of watching her break down when she realizes that she doesn't have anything in her life um but but I think what what comes of of using these uh longer shots or what he says comes of it is it actually allows more intimacy between the uh the characters and between the actors because they don't feel like there is this you know entire film crew standing around them they actually can just really act like real people and have an intimate moment between them and and we're observing and there was an interesting article that talked about that i i want to see if i can try to find it um how he's set so far away oh here it is the camera seems neither a detached third person nor a humanized first person, but somehow instead, without a trace of overt mysticism or any belittlement of Yang's essentially secular themes, a vaguely spiritual presence that both sees and feels. And maybe for me, this was by Andrew Chan, uh, writing on ReverseShot.com. Um, maybe for me, I, I felt that. I could see and feel all of the emotions in those shots. And maybe for you... In, in those wide shots where we had these emotional scenes, but we were like, you know, a mile away from the actors as they had the moments, uh, it just it it kept you distance from it, which which created that boredom for you. Well, I don't know. I'm curious about that. Yeah, and and I I've been trying to to reflect on that because I'm I wouldn't say that I was um, th- that this this is an issue necessarily of of feeling particularly distanced, and I I like the idea or I like the concept of of. Uh, um, of giving us a chance to really, you know, see the actors. And there are some sequences where I, I really resonate with that, where, where we get a chance. It's much more like a staged play. You know, I, I, we, we've talked about this idea of doing the series of, um, you know, of, of plays to film, stage to film. Right. 
And I, and I often have this same sense. What, what I have a problem with is, is I don't think in the way the camera is set up, I, I find it, uh, I, I don't find it, um, this takes me back to Casablanca, you know? I mean, you detest me, don't you? Well, if I gave you any thought, I probably would. Um, it's, it's not like I feel one way or the other about it. I didn't feel necessarily moved by the way the camera was, uh, was wielded in this film. I found myself particularly moved at the, 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 um, sort of lack of focus and restraint in the editing process. Um, I, I feel like there's too much film in this film and, and that as a result of, of having so much of this white space, in, in the film to let the let the story shine and you know all of, I, I I get that there's a movement behind this and I get that there are there uh, the the result for me was a film I couldn't connect with because it was it 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 was I, I think too big in scope um, and too and simply too long um, it, it was not it was not it didn't achieve that sort of dance for me that I, I want to have with these sort of long sequences that are, that, that, you know, and I, I, for some reason now I'm blanking on other movies that, that I, I really want to be able to have right on the tip of my tongue here that, that are big in scope that I actually really liked. Um, but they'll come to me. (laughs) Well, I, and it's funny. It's just, it's interesting the perspective of people watching this film because the things that don't work for you are the things that do work for me. And so I, I find that interesting, and I think this is this is an interesting example of a film that I, I think different people can end up sitting down and looking at it. And maybe it's a smaller group of people, but uh, who could look at it and go, "Yes, I'm totally on board with this." I, like I said, my mom and my wife weren't on board with it. Um, you weren't on board with it, but I I I don't know. I, I felt like for me. Um, a lot of those, uh, the, the pacing of it, the, I, I didn't feel like it was, um, like edited in a way where I can't believe that he kept so much in it. He should have cut that down and condensed it to two hours. That never crossed my mind because I was so involved with all of the nuances going on all the way through. And I really appreciated those long shots where it would just sit on somebody or, or it would slowly pan like very meticulous, long, slow pan over to something else that was happening. And the way that he did all of that gave me, maybe in my mind, it gave me time to kind of reflect and think about what it was that was going on and why things were happening the way they were and how things fit into the universe. And yeah, maybe I was going into this whole philosophical, you know, uh, the, the life, the universe, and everything sort of moment as I watch this movie, which is, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's what I latch onto with it. Well, but. and I can, I can certainly resonate with that. When I think about, um, uh, you know, I, I think about uh, th- that connection that I have with space, you know, it takes me most immediately back to, to films like No Country for Old Men, right? Um, mm-hmm. it, it takes me back to uh, the Coen brothers and the way they use space. And, and, uh, I I find myself much more attracted to the way they use space in Fargo and No Country for Old Men and uh, you know Miller's Crossing uh, than than the way the space was manipulated in Yee Yee. I found this to be um, just simply uninteresting. And uh, when when we have sequences, not just and it, it's not even the big spaces because I, I enjoy seeing Taiwan and Taipei, uh, and and uh, you know I, I enjoy the interaction with it to to a point, um, but you know I, I'm thinking specifically to uh, the scene of Fatty and and 
Ting Ting in the, I, I guess, somebody's bedroom or hotel or. Let's say, yeah, it's a it's one of those lovers' hotels. Apparently, those are very popular over there. It's not something that's really kind of made its way over here, but it's very popular. They have all <laughs> these sorts of little one night stand sorts yeah. of uh, hotels over there. So that's where, yeah, they get a hotel room. Well, they get a hotel room. They, you know, there is this. It is. I I get that the pacing of this sequence is to let the actors have a chance to really let the let the emotion come out of the scene, but oh my goodness, it is long. It's like eight minutes of standing in this room. It's just I there is. I don't, I, I don't think it's quite that long, but maybe to you it felt that long. It felt so much longer. <laughs> it it is uh it 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 is just really. Uh, it takes a long time to get through the, the the lovers' hotel. Long time. See, I don't think that, and I, I, <laughs> I, I that's what I find so interesting because you know, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't feel those things. Like I am in that moment with Ting Ting, that nervous, you know, kind of teenage sexual energy of, oh my god, this could be the first time, and he's kind of fumbling and trying to find the light switch, and he doesn't know what he's doing, and and they're not sure, like, you know, should we start undressing, like, what's going on, and then he kind of, you know, says that this isn't right and runs out of the room. I am so in that moment, and for me, it feels like, uh, maybe it feels like it's two minutes, but that's because it's just like so, so it's like the tension in the room. And so I don't know. It's just it's really interesting the way that people can come at it, looking at it different ways and and end up feeling totally differently about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can I can absolutely I can absolutely see that. Uh and and I felt it. I because I again I went into it wanting. I mean, you and I agree more than we disagree, and and so I I really felt like this was something or something wrong with me that uh, that I reacted quite the way I did on this film. But it was it was Taxi Driver. Yeah. Oh well. The, the you know another thing about the um, the long shots that I like that I want to talk about because yeah. I I think it's it's it's. Uh, uh, masterful filmmaking the way that he uses reflections throughout the film and speaking of perspectives and half truths and and what we see and what we don't see the way that he uses and chooses to to film through windows and get reflections of of this urban setting that we're in this the, you know taipei this in this huge city that is surrounds all these people it makes the story like we we'll see entire scenes play out through a window and we're watching the actors while at the same time we can see everything that's going on behind them or we're looking out through a window and we see the reflection but um but we see like trains going by and it just it it for me the the perspective of that it, it makes it feel so intimate but at the same time it for me it makes it feel like this could be anybody in the city and this could be anybody in the world this is one of those stories that's happening right now and I love the way that he uses reflections. I love the way we have moments where when Min Min is having her breakdown when she's at work, um, she's in this dark room and she's just kind of sobbing to herself. And we see in the background through the reflection, we see some of her coworkers kind of coming in and just kind of, you know, chatting casually and everything. But in, in Min Min's reflection, it's this dark city behind her and we can see her silhouette and right over where her chest is we see this kind of red flashing light almost like it's it's the her life force it's her heart beating 
And, you know, then her friend comes in and comforts her. But the way that she's tied into the city and she's tied into life in a grander scale, I think is so powerful. Just like when we see um, uh, Ting Ting and Fatty and we see the traffic light timed with kind of them falling in love. And uh, there's so many moments like that throughout the film where we see these reflections of things that are happening um, in multiple perspectives because we're kind of this omniscient viewer uh, that that Edward Yang is giving us this this extra sensory perception of what's happening in the world and speaking of seeing the front truth and the back truth I mean the, the you know windows are a perfect example of you know we can see through them and, but we also have this reflection of what's going on behind and we're getting all this extra pers- perspective of what's going on in these scenes that these characters don't have and you know, I just found that so fascinating to watch. And I love the way he constructs so much of the film with reflections. And we're seeing uh, just all these other elements in the story that really enhance it for me. Yeah, I, I actually I agree with you about the, the reflections. I, there are a lot of them. I mean, much of the sort of visual tale is told through reflections. And so, um, you know, it's a uh, I'm. I think it it would be something that could get tiresome to some people, uh, just because again of the length. That, but the the um, I think it really fits for me uh, most in alignment with uh, the boy's story. I mean, and and his efforts to walk us through this the sort of philosophical journey of seeing the whole truth and mm-hmm. and his innocence at approaching the whole truth and when he takes that photograph to the to the the brother uh, the brother-in-law you know the with the glasses right, right. And, said, and he says what do you why what do you why do i need this what are you doing he says well you can't see you can't see that so i'm helping you and he hands him a picture of the back of his own head uh, that that ends up it, it sort of brings together the the visual elements that we're talking about, sort of looking at both sides of of every experience through buildings and and reflected off of buildings of you know what we see as a member of the city and a member of the story, uh, with the practical elements of of this kid trying to trying to see his whole truth, and yeah. I, I thought I think that's really a very special part of it, and and again it's what makes his storyline for me the most magical of them all. Well, yeah, and clearly, I, I think for most people, his story is the one that you really latch on to because there's just so much beauty in, in the nature of it. I mean, so much so that that's essentially, I mean, he's plastered on all of their artwork. I mean, Criterion, when they release the uh, the discs of it, you know, it's it's the back of his head yeah. that we're looking at on the cover. And the movie posters that came out for the film, it's all him. I mean, he is the featured character in all of this stuff, that whole idea of, of him and the photos in the backs of the head, that's what I think sells the, the philosophy of the story and sells the beauty of it to a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, totally agree with that. Yeah. So this is a tough one. Um, what do you think? You got some, I'm sure you have some more things you want to talk about before we rank, before we try to rank this thing. Yeah, I know it'll be a, it'll be a challenge, I think. I, I don't know. I, I love the 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 calm. I, I mean, I hesitate to say mature uh, style of filmmaking. Just it's a very settled, still nature of filmmaking that Yang uses in the production of this film. It really, really works for me. I I really love. Uh, I I just love all of that. 
he's he's a very confident filmmaker. He's a filmmaker who, you know, he will get an actor like when Min Min does have her breakdown. He got that in, a, in, in one take. He never felt the need to go back and and film it again. He he did it once. It's just like okay, you nailed it. I don't need to go back and and get any more shots of that. I think there's a lot of confidence in a filmmaker doing that. I think he's a very intuitive filmmaker, but he also at the same time is a very uh you know uh, a filmmaker who likes to plan. And so I don't know. I I really like his, his filmmaking. I haven't seen any of his other films. He is a filmmaker who's like I said, he came out of the. Um, this new wave of Taiwanese filmmaking and he ended up making seven films and this was his last film before he, um, he ended up having a seven year bout of, of cancer and ended up, uh, dying in 2007. Um, uh, and it's unfortunate. I mean, I haven't seen his other films. It sounds like this one is the film that, uh, more people identify with. Uh, I think his other films don't quite, uh, maybe resonate as much as this one. Uh, and so maybe for you, you probably shouldn't even bother watching the rest of his films. <laughs> yeah. if this one didn't resonate with you. Um, but for me, this one, I mean, it's amazing how, uh, how much I connect to this film. And I, I just love watching. I love these characters. I love being with them for three hours. I have such a great time. And, uh, um, I, yeah, Edward Yang was just, I mean, he's a filmmaker. He, he probably, I, yeah, oddly enough, the next film that he was going to do was an animated film with Jackie Chan. So it was probably something that you would have liked. <laughs> yeah, right. Bring me a little bit more Crouching Tiger. Oh, yeah, there you right? go. <laughs> it would have been a little crazy. I would love to see Edward Yang and his style of filmmaking with his real slow-paced, single-shot sorts of things right. with Jackie Chan and his like crazy uh, uh I want to see Jackie arts. Chan just sitting in front of a, of a refrigerator for three <laughs> hours, just sitting there. Oh, man. <laughs> That's terrible. You're terrible. So, but, yeah. but yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's all I have. I really enjoy this film. Um, it is a film that requires patience. And if you can get into this film, I think it can be an amazing experience. It is for me. I know it's not going to be for everyone. Although, oddly enough, this film was well received. It, it did play at the Cannes Film Festival in 2000. And it, it, uh, Edward Yang won Best Director. It was nominated for the Palme d'Or. Um, it did get just accolades all across the board. A lot of people put it on their best film of the year list. And um, in the, the Sight and Sound magazine listed as one of the 10 greatest films of the past 25 years. And that was in 2002. So from 2002 back to, what would that be, uh, you know, 87, right? No, no, 77. 77. Yeah, so from Star Wars till... Uh, 2002, basically, they said this is one of the 10 greatest films of that year, uh, of that period of time. The list includes Apocalypse Now, Raging Bull, Fanny and Alexander, Goodfellas, Blue Velvet, Do the Right Thing, Blade Runner, Chungking Express, Distant Voices Still Lives, Once Upon a Time in America, and this film, Yee Yee. Um, there was a tie, so there's actually 11 films in there. But it's, you know, Sight and Sound considered it one of the the greatest films. I mean, this is a film that a lot of people really latched onto. Um, it's definitely not a mainstream film. This is not something that a lot of people are going to you know sit down and and put up with. Um, it had a hard time getting. Like, I don't think any of his films. This was the first film of all seven of his films that actually ended up having a theatrical release in the United States. He's just not a filmmaker who gets his stuff out there. Um, 
and you know, maybe because it is a little more trying. But um, uh, I don't know. I, I, I think that it's, uh, it, it, uh, it does require a, a patient viewing and somebody who's willing to invest their, their time and energy with the story. I mean, what, are you, what are you saying? I mean, this is what I, that's what, I mean, I feel like that was directed at me. <laughs> no, <laughs> me? Uh, snarky? I, I, I'm sorry, I forgot to take my snarky mask you, off. You, you, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I find, uh, like I said in the beginning, I find a lot of this film, um, uh, uh, I find elements of this film really beautiful. That it it um, uh, resonates. Some of the stories really resonate with me. I where I uh, where I find myself really struggling is in the fact that I think so much of filmmaking and the, the craft of filmmaking and telling a story is what you take out. And at, at uh, there is, there is nothing in here for me that, that demonstrates uh, that sense in this, in this, in the choices that he made on this film. It was, it was just too dang long to, to maintain interest. And, and, uh, so, you know, I think this, why I think there are things that are beautiful in here, uh, I think that would be really magnified, uh, if, if he had been able to tell less of, uh, less of a story and more of a film with a, with a narrower intention. I think it would have been better. And I'm, and I don't mean to say that because I know what you're going to say. You're thinking, oh, well, pizza into simple movies and Sarmento is going to say the same thing. And uh, it's like, well, pizza, popcorn, Pete, popcorn, Pete. That's not true. I mean, I, I, I find that, um, that, that so much of the artistry of any creative endeavor is in the restraint and, and what you, and the decisions you are, you force yourself to say no and uh, that is uh, that's the artistry and i don't feel like yang said no enough in this film and and likely uh i would say the same thing to his other films that didn't get as much of a of of a, of a telling i mean this is this is editing that's what editing is whether you're editing a manuscript editing a novel a play it's being able to go back and say no i don't need this this doesn't make this a better film and in and in yi yi there is easily an hour and 20 minutes of no that should have been said and and it would have made it a film i could have sat through and really enjoyed and see i disagree <laughs> because Man. i think this is i think this is is just give andy exactly. the dailies i want i want 17 <laughs> hours of film straight unedited raw footage i want every camera every angle <laughs> oh yeah all right, so people, uh, what you're going to want to do the next hour of the show is going to be Andy and I doing flick chart. <laughs> this will be a fun one. No, I, I I'm going to. I mean, I acknowledge that this film is is long, and it requires patience. So I will take that into account. All right. As I as I pick my choices. Sight and sound, total bogus. All right, flickchart.com slash the next reel. Go there, and if you want to uh, like us over there, flick us, flick us on the flick chart, and you can, uh, you can catch up with our top 100, the golden ticket, the golden list of our top 100 favorite films uh, that we have ever done on the next reel. That's where you want to go to see that. Stack ranking. Ready? I'm so ready. Yee yee. Whatever. Or- <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Go ahead. Wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was just, I've been waiting for that since like yesterday. Go you ahead. Have, you sure have been. <laughs> or thank you for smoking. Thank you for smoking. I'll pick thank you for smoking. Too. 
That was good though, right? That was a good yeah, little, gag. Yeah. Little, little flick chart gag. Yes. It's <laughs> the thing about it is that I mean, as much as I love it, it is three hours, and you do have to be well willing to sit down for three hours. Any movie that makes you really question opportunity cost, I think you have to judge. There's, it, it's always going to come into play. I mean, I, I, I even do that when I look at Lord of the Rings or Godfather. Long film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yee Yee or Big Fish. <laughs> <laughs> this is a perfect one to fight over. I, I don't even know uh, how we're going to fight over this because I will I will always pick Yee over Big Fish, and you will always, always pick Big pick Fish, big fish yeah, over Yee. That's right. Yee. That was, is exactly how that's going to happen. And so, uh, what we're going to do? What are we going to do? Uh, we're going to rock paper scissors right now. <laughs> that is the only way we're going to do this because I think we are we are we're, we've maxed out the scale on either end, right? I mean, there's just no so. way. All right, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, so you're just going to say it in one, two, three. Say it, okay? Okay. One, and it's two. one, two, three. Scissors. You didn't say it. Well, I thought you, you said and it's. I thought you were giving me an example of what. We're oh, okay. Doing. Then that's what I was doing. Okay. So we're going to okay. say one, two, three, okay. and then say the thing. Okay. Ready? Gotcha. All right. One, two, three. Rock. Rock. Dang. One, two, three, paper. Scissors. Yes! You totally stalled. I didn't stall. Fine. Totally won that one. I'm calling John August. I'm going to invite <laughs> him to your house. <laughs> oh, my least favorite. You're, you're a terrible person. Yee-yee or Driving Miss Daisy? Driving Miss Daisy. I'll pick Driving Miss Daisy. You bet your sweet patootie you will. <laughs> oh, yee-yee or Red Belt? Totally yee. <laughs> All right, here we go. Ready? One. <laughs> Come on. This is just sad. This is devolved. This is it, it, this is no oh. other way to do it. I know you're right. Okay. Okay. Ready? Go yeah. ahead. One, two, three. Scissors. Paper. Oh. Thank you. Damn it. Are you serious? Uh huh. Uh huh. I'm totally okay. serious. I, I'm okay with it, even though I, I don't agree. But having just seen Twelve Years a Slave. Yeah. I'm all in Chewie's favor right now because, boy, is he good in that movie. Well, let me just say, we have a friend of the show, uh, Job, uh, wrote me on Facebook after our Red Belt thing, and he is, he is a fighter, and uh, he particularly liked uh, our r- review of that, and he is a really big guy. Uh, and so I encourage you to, to go with Red Belt happily. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. I said he's going to drive down if I don't. <laughs> I'm not saying anything like he seems like a very gentle and peaceful giant, but he does live, you know, only a, a state or two away from you. And so you're going to want to just take that into account. Wow. I never thought I'd be getting physically threatened for my flick chart choices. <laughs> By way- <laughs> All right. What's next? All right. Yee Yee or Compulsion? You know... Uh, I'm going to go compulsion. I'm going to go compulsion easily for the courtroom uh, monologue. It's it's very strong, very I, very strong. Much I, of restraint. I, yeah. I. <laughs> what was that? I really. I I may agree with you because 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 whatever that was. <laughs> Orson Welles is awfully compelling mm-hmm. in that courtroom scene. He's no tainting. And, and I will say, I love ye. Don't get me wrong. Compulsion, though, was one of those historic discoveries that I never knew existed, and I really enjoy that film. So compulsion it is then. 
There you go. Yee Yee or the Parallax View. I'll totally go Yee Yee on this one. I will go the Parallax View. Uh, Come on, give me some Yang Yang but, love. But I'm. I feel like if I'm going to give on one, this is one I don't need to to rock paper scissors. I'll give you this one. Well, there you go. Yee Yee or the Red Shoes. Oh, see now this one I should have. This is a toss up for me. This is a bit of a toss up for me too. I mean, I I love Yee Yee. I I really respect Red Shoes. I think I get more out of my personal connection with Yee, though. I think Red Shoes is an example of the kind of film that I'm talking about that that demonstrates uh, not only the intention to take dramatic risks, both in the story and the visuals, uh, but also shows great restraint. Uh, And it's not a three-hour film. (laughs) <laughs> but I'm going to give you yee for the reflections. <laughs> okay. All right, there you go. Number 90 out of 124. Right between Compulsion and the Red Shoes. I, you know, I'd like it to be higher. Yeah. But I'm okay that it's at least in the top 100. For the next 10, ten weeks. <laughs> I didn't say that out loud. It was my oh. inside voice. I'll edit that out. Well, you're a terrible person. <laughs> Andy, this is why this is why we do this show. I love these episodes so much more. I love it when we, I learn so much more when we disagree. I I learn a lot too, but I always like it more when we agree. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel like I have to fight the whole time. <laughs> I'm just exhausted after these episodes. <laughs> okay, next week Oh, by the way, yeah, I, there's no financial information really for this film. I right. have a little bit of domestic how much it made, but it was know. not much. It, it made just over a million, and I don't know how much it cost to make, so I don't really have any finances for this one. All right, but it is on our movie cost per minute breakdown. All right, all the same. All right. Uh, next week we're wrapping up our uh, film, foreign film journey. This is this has been a really hard. I look forward to next week because I want to not only reflect on the terrific film we're going to see next week spoiler <laughs> um but uh i i want to reflect on this the just the act of doing a quote foreign film series i'm looking forward to that i think maybe as much as talking about the movie yeah i i love i i know that for anyone who looks at our 2014 list we don't have a foreign language series next year but uh, but this has been really exciting, and I love I, I love talking these foreign mm-hmm. films and kind of exploring the way that films get made around the world. Yeah, good times. Well, what even are we if, gonna do? Even if even if you don't like them. Even if you don't. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I, what what are we doing next week? So well, people next, can catch up. Yeah, next week we're gonna, we're going down to Brazil. We're going to do City of God, which is uh, quite an amazing film. So that's going to be a lot of fun to talk about. Yes. And finish up this series with. And then in between, we're actually doing a film board. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. So uh, on Sunday night, we are recording. So probably Monday morning, you'll you'll be able to catch this in the feed. We're doing... um, The Hobbit. Yeah. of The second annual uh, Tom Metz Memorial Hobbit Festival (laughs) film board episode. (laughs) Oh, he'll never hear that. 
Uh, we, uh, you know, I'm as it turns out, I will not be seeing this in uh, seizure uh, seizure round uh, when I it, see it because I talked to my daughter and I said, you know, I want to go see this movie. You're ready to go. We're going to go do the glasses and the IMAX and everything. She said, no, you go by yourself. <laughs> uh, she actually turned down a movie date with dad because of 48 frames per second yep. and uh, 3D IMAX. She just said it was stiff. she didn't like it. So we're going to go regular old thing uh, tomorrow afternoon. And uh, so I can't wait to hear what you think about it. Yeah. Sunday I'm night. looking forward to it. Yeah. So uh, we got we got some uh, Smaug on Sunday, and then we've got some uh, some Brazil crime stuff going on next, next week. Next week. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. It's, uh, Fun I gotta times. Go, I got to go to bed. Yeah, you, you, you stink. <laughs> <laughs> It's not my fault he's picked two movies that look awfully lot like they're stealing from Duncan Jones movies. I'm just saying he likes he likes, he his likes stuff. He's, he likes he's his just, Jones. He's just saying, Duncan, look, look at me. Look at me. Pick me. Pick <laughs> me. I want to play next time. <laughs> look what I could have done. Pick me. Pick <laughs> me. <laughs> That's good. That's just <laughs> it's something. I've been podcasting since 2006. In that time, I've tried countless hosting platforms. But in August 2022, we switched to Transistor to power all of our shows here at True Story FM. And it's been a game changer. I love the Transistor allows unlimited podcasts and storage without extra charges. We can publish so much content. And we do. If you want to start up a podcast, do yourself a favor and host your show on Transistor. With their one-click publishing, you can get your new show onto all the major podcast directories effortlessly. And their website builder lets you quickly build custom sites for each show. The detailed analytics are invaluable, too. You can access all kinds of listener data anytime. Oh, and the versatile players allow you to embed episodes anywhere to reach new listeners. Plus, the team behind Transistor is super responsive and keeps making the platform even better. After using countless hosting services over 15 plus years, Transistor has been hands down the best podcast partner for us. If you want a hosting platform to take all the worry out of getting your podcast out into the world, go to thenextreel.com slash Transistor and check it out. Support our show and support your own show by going to thenextreel.com slash transistor. Start growing your podcast today.